Hello and welcome to a special series of BAFTA podcasts. In the weeks leading up to the 2019 Virgin Media British Academy Television Awards and BAFTA Television Craft Awards, I sat down with some of the nominees to chat about their work, nominations and lives in TV. We'll be talking to two of the people behind a show that can only be described as a phenomenon, Killing Eve. I'll be talking to Sally Woodward Gentle, who was nominated in drama for her work on the show, and one of the show's directors, Harry Bradbeer, who's nominated in director fiction. Killing Eve has snagged 14 nominations this year. Producer Sally Woodward Gentle has brought Killing Eve, Whitechapel, Tipping the Velvet, the BAFTA-winning Any Human Heart, and the Durrells to television screens. With one win under her belt, Sally's nominated again for Killing Eve in drama series. She talks about why she's drawn to tarty, arty scripts. And she also has the inside word on series two. All I can say is knitting needles. Sally, I should probably start with congratulations. Thank you. It is just amazing. Killing Eve has, uh, you know, very dark, subversive, uh, and it's, it's funny. It yeah. is funny, which I think is why it's kind of resonated with people. And at the heart of it are these quite complex female protagonists. Yeah. Um, how important is that, do you think, especially in TV at the moment? I think it's incredibly important, but we, we didn't set out to sort of cynically go after that. But Luke's, Luke Jennings, who wrote the novellas, um, he, he created these two characters at the centre of it. Um, but then pairing that up with Phoebe, where she gave everything even more layers and complexity and brought an absurdist humour to it, and yet could be um, painfully truthful, um, mm. was, was really important. It's sort of what we wanted to get from it. Yeah. And actually, we, we learnt that's what we wanted to get from it as we went through the process. So I mean, Sandra Oh is so funny in this. Yeah. I mean, the writing is, it, it really is hilarious yeah. at points, isn't it? Yeah. She, I mean, she is, Phoebe is hilarious. And she, she also knows that there is multiple meanings in everything. And so everything feels led. And so I know that Sandra and Phoebe would have conversations and Sandra would say, well, what is this about? And Phoebe would go, well, it's about this and it's about that and it's about the other and it's about this as well. And you see Sandra go, you know, working that through and then it appears. I was going to ask how involved Phoebe got, actually, in terms of, you know, once the project's off and off. Oh, well, she does because she is inspiring and because it's so idiosyncratically part of her. Um, The actors want to talk to her just to sort of understand it, understand where it came from. And Almost to check and kind of... Yeah, and also until you've sort of seen that sort of that world or the Killing Eve world, you don't understand that actually uh, things can be played in multiple ways and that you're not, it's not all, you know, deep grief. You know, it's deep grief while at the same time going, fuck, that frock is amazing. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you can play all of that and... You have to um, you have to tune into that and sort of feel your way into it. That's why it's brilliant having Fiona Shaw in her character as well, kind of almost being. I love her so much. I mean, what what's she so like much. to to work with? She's just a goddess. <laughs> she's just absolutely. She's amazing. She's got a really wicked sense of humour. She's unbelievably professional. She's grounded. She's she's just the most fantastic talent, and. To have her in that her timing is impeccable, 
Um, she's very wise. She gets the script. I mean, she is just, she's a, she's a god. Did, did you have any idea of how successful this was going to be? Because, I mean, it, Killing Eve has gone global. Yeah. I genuinely try not to look, but it is, you, you, you literally, our company is tiny, we're nine people. You then put the team together that makes the show and you still are a little team. And we sort of felt like we're flying under the radar. And that's great because you're not terrified. You know, you, you just think, let's just go for it. I think if we'd gone in there knowing what a big global thing, we'd have been paralyzed with fear. So you've still, you've then got to protect yourself, I think, from that sense that everybody's aware of it and just concentrate on making it the best you can. Because mm -hmm. otherwise there's all this noise saying it represents this, it represents that, it's about this, that and the other. And you, you can't I guess you look just at have to stop that. and go, but we're just making a TV exactly. show. For series one, I yeah. suppose you, you can have that attitude. Yeah. When it goes as big as it has, yeah. when it comes to making series two and then yeah. soon series three, yeah. um, that must be actually a lot more difficult. You start to feel the pressure, but we started working on season two really before season one had properly hit. So we were protected for a while. Like we even managed to film season two out on the streets with nobody bothering us oh, until really? September when it went out and then suddenly we, people started papping. But um, you just try, I think you just try to shut out the noise. But um, I think there is pressure. And Emerald Fennell, who's written most of season two, has just been completely brilliant. And, but, you know, she, she embarked on this before season one had come out and... Mm. You know, she needed to believe that she was brilliant, everybody else is brilliant, that she is completely and utterly owning this second season herself and can, can do it. What are you proudest of with Killing Eve and, and the work that you've done over the past few years? Um, I think Killing Eve is amazing just to keep that going and I'd like to think that we can keep that up. You've had quite a hit rate, I think it's, it's fair to say, but what sticks out to you? What, what in a project do you see and sort of think, that is it, I've got to, I've got to take that on? Um, it's if it feels a bit different. It's if I would watch it and I don't actually watch that much. I, I like sort of, I'm a bit arty, but I'm also a bit tarty. So I like sort <laughs> of tarty, arty, entertaining shows that feel different and are actually quite difficult. I like shows, if somebody says, you can't adapt this, it's a, it's a, ch it's a Oh, then you want to adapt it. I want it. to adapt it, yeah. And how important is the, the script in that process? Would you ever take on a project where you, you didn't kind of 100% love the script? No, or? no just, I wouldn't. I mean, I've done it in the past, but I think because I've got my own company now, we do only take on things that we really love because it's, you know, you're not saving lives. It's not brain surgery, you're not a doctor, but it is quite stressful. And so there's no point in putting yourself through all of that if you don't, Love the project. Series two's around the corner. Mm. I know there's someone that will like, I don't know, taser you to the ground if mm. you tell me anything, but have you got any teaser? Any little nugget we're allowed to know? <laughs> Julian Barrett. Okay. Watch out for knitting needles. <gasps> Watch out if you've got a cat. Okay. Is that it, really? That's not all you're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah. Knitting needles, Knitting needles cats. cats. Knitting needles, cats, lipstick. Harry Bradbeer is also a previous BAFTA winner, winning for The Cops and has been at the helm of shows such as Fleabag, The Hour, This Life and, of course, Killing Eve. We chat working with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, his love of Villanelle, and sleepless in Seattle.
Harry, congratulations. Thank you very much. What was it that drew you to Killing Eve? Was it the script? It the was characters? the script. Well, Phoebe sent me the script, uncertain as to whether I'd like it or not. Um, but she wasn't aware of how much I love thrillers and I love Hitchcock. You know, a cat and mouse chase can be a funny, it can be dangerous, terrifying. You can have lots of, play with lots of humor and reality in it. And um, I adored it, I adored the character of Vanilla Al. I found her to be the most unique uh, assassin that I'd ever met. And um, it seemed to have inherent in it this DNA of this relationship between her and this woman who was having the most unexciting life. And the idea that there was this love story that was unspoken but very real and growing. Um, you know, it was half Nikita, half James Bond, <laughs> half Sleepless in Seattle. Two people <laughs> yeah. Yeah. C communicating over a great distance who finally find each other and who in some way meant to be together. Once it was cast, mm. did that really kind of oh, excite yeah. you? Had yeah. you worked with them before, Sandra O oh or no, Jodie Comer or no, any of them? Neither of them. Neither of them. I'd, I'd admired Sandra for years, and Jodie, I always was impressed by her chameleon nature. I love the and way... And this role needs that as well, yeah. with how many different characters she almost yeah. plays within one. Yeah. We met a lot of people for Villanelle. We must have seen tapes of well over 100, maybe 150. Wow. You needed to have somebody who had real mystery and could hold back their thoughts from the audience. Mm. Because if a character gives very little away, the audience then lean forward to study what's going on in their mind. And I so, think you do the opposite with Sandra's character. Yeah. There's so much warmth yeah. there. I wonder if there was a sequence that was particularly challenging or one that stands out that you're that you're now very proud of? Probably but. the first scene. because In the cafe? The first scene in the cafe, because it's a first scene, you've never met this character before, and there are no words. We were shooting in Italy on our very first day, so you had yes. this scene with no words, where we had to create a scene of complete tension and danger and humour and set up the tone of the series that was going to go on and on. And to do that on the first day, I'd say that was a big challenge. I was pretty nervous. That's so interesting. And to hear as well that you were slightly nervous on the day. I think I do have a great deal of faith that things will work out. But, that's, but that also is dependent on a lot of preparation. You've got to think about what the scenes are about, what the people want, what the themes of it are. Get that in straight in your head. And gradually, the whole work will come into your head in, some, in enough focus that you will have a guideline, a map, if you like, in your brain as to how you shoot it. Because everything is a choice. Mm. Whether I put the camera there or put the camera there. If I'm exploring your mind or am I watching at a bit of distance? If I'm, am I shooting it over my shoulder or am I coming close? If I'm coming close, then that camera wraps itself around your face. It creates a sense of presence. It's very intimate. I'm telling the audience, I'm with her. This is her story. This right. is her experience. It falls into, and I had noted them all down, 12 beats, 12 exchanges. Mm. I was very Stanislavski. It's very, uh, <laughs> yeah. very kind of drama school. Yes. You know, you look at her, you react in this way, this reaction, that reaction leads to that reaction. Every Every action has a consequence. Because if you think about it, it's like a shootout between the adult and the child. Yeah. 
She looks at the kid, notices that the kid is, is eating her ice cream, staring at her. She tries to smile. The child doesn't react. This annoys her. She looks back and sees the child looking at the ice cream seller who smiles and enlists a beautiful grin from the child. <laughs> then you cut to her thinking, with feeling fury that screw her... Screw you. Uh, screw you. <laughs> she doesn't know that she's unable to really relate in the way that she should do. And so then she smiles, at, gives the kid a big smile, copying his exactly. Um, we went back actually, did a really strong close-up of that boy in order to do that. And then uh, the kid reacts with a nice smile this time. Satisfied, she gets up, gives a tip to the ice cream seller, goes over and knocks the ice cream into the oh, little girl's lap. it's such a good moment as well. And I mean, that's the writing. That's Phoebe's brilliant writing. But in order to make it work, we had to shoot some camera movement that enclosed in on her. Because the other thing that we were trying to establish was that Villanelle is a psychopath who studies the world while we study her. The detail of your planning there is extraordinary. Did, I, I presume you can't do every single scene that no. detail, or, or can you? No, I don't think you'd be wise to. I think there are some scenes that have, to, have a certain job to do, like that one, which is, requires huge planning. But the lovely thing about planning, if you can relax enough about it, is that once you've got your plan A, then you can play around it. Do you ever watch your work back when it's actually on the telly, or once you've finished a job is that kind of it's done in the edit I'm gonna leave it now I do watch it back um, partly because the process of cutting is usually very painful for me and it's very painful for Phoebe we we say that we spend the first two weeks taking the episode into the corner of the room and kicking the hell out of it before we then <laughs> pick it up and then dust it down and tell them oh. tell us tell them that we loved it after all and, and, and Gary the editor is who is very much a partner in our storytelling Gary Dolner he um, he's very patient with us and tries the different things we want to try before we know that probably his first cut was right anyway. <laughs> but we, <laughs> poor we, Gary. Poor Gary. But we, yes, it, it is often a painful process putting things together. So when you can finally see it, it, it makes you feel pretty good. I mean, you speak about Gary, you actually kind of managed to sneak in something. Was it in the final episode of Fleabag? There was, there was something yeah. you put in as a little tribute to him. Yeah, the final episode of the last series of Fleabag, um, we had... Uh, it was at the bus stop mm -hmm. and awaiting a bus that never comes. And up on the, the sign, we gave that destination as Dolner Avenue. So, oh, Gary Dolner. Gary Dolner. And that meant that everybody was in it because ev all of us were in the second series uh, in terms of, I, was, I had a cameo in episode four. In series the, two? Yeah, in series two in the funeral. I'm the guy that tells her that grief really agrees with her, but I have a moustache. That is so funny. Okay. Um, and Sarah Hammond, producer, doesn't get the prize over yep. Chris and Scott Thomas and says, yes. fuck's sake. So right at the very end, in the final online, um, we put Gary's name up there so he could be uh, in it too. That's lovely. And uh, if you were to kind of go back and give yourself advice, what bit of advice would you, would you give yourself? What have you learned that actually would have been really helpful to know all those years ago? I think the planning thing, I did plan, but after a while I started to plan less and then I got into a jam. So that would be that, definitely that. I think uh, the other thing is I think I, I wish I could have gone back and said it's gonna be all right. It's, it's a long road.
Thanks for joining us and many thanks to my guests, Sally Woodward Gentle and Harry Bradbeer. For more like this, go to guru.bafta.org or search for BAFTA on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts.